1: getting ready for 15 games over a three-day stretch on this episode of fantasy football in 15 hello everybody the weekend is here and so are we on fantasy football in 15 here at the athletic i am michael beller joined by derek van Riper. dvr we got a lot of news to get to how you doing Hey, doing really well. How about you? <laughs> also, doing well. Uh, very excited that it's the weekend. I know I already said this to you at some point on one of our shows, but it's like the week just ended, the previous week just ended. It feels like it should be Tuesday, and here we are. It's Friday. It's beautiful. It's excellent. We've got plenty of stuff to talk about for week 13, so let's hop right to it. First and foremost, Josh Jacobs has now missed. Two straight practices because of the ankle injury he suffered uh, in the third quarter of the Raiders' loss to the Falcons in Week 12, and we talked about this to start the week, and we weren't fully sure how serious it was, and the game was way out of hand, so there'd be no reason for the Raiders to bring him back in any way. But now he's missed two straight practices, so that is an important thing. The Raiders are at the Jets this week. That means it is an early kickoff, 1 p.m. Eastern time, so you're going to know when you are making your decisions. You're not going to have to guess blindly if Jacobs doesn't go, how confident are you in deploying Devonte Booker?
2: I mean, I think he's at least in the typical Boston Scott Gio Bernard RB uh, two. You love RB2 that, you love that range. reference. <laughs> that's just what. That's what replacement running backs are. The backups yeah, getting a chance yeah. to start. They're that's those it. guys. Then you play them if you have them in most cases, and you feel okay, not great about it. You expect twelve fantasy points from those guys when they start mm-hmm. instead of fifteen plus from the guys they're replacing. Uh, The other variable, though, I think if Jacob doesn't play, Jalen Richard could be on the field for some of those passing down situations. So you might not get uh, the big boost in volume from Booker you're expecting in that facet. We know he can handle those functions, but if they have Richard available and they're worried about overworking Devontae Booker, that's how they would divvy up that workload. So I definitely see Booker as playable, I think. Jake Seeley's got uh, Josh Jacobs 13th on his list of running backs this week. That's in half PPR formats. I wouldn't expect Booker to check in quite that high, but if you said Booker ends up around the Wayne Gallman line, Gallman's at 20 going up against Seattle, I think that's a pretty reasonable spot to put him if Jacobs doesn't go.
1: Yeah, I totally think that's fair. Basically, anyone who's going to get uh, a starter's workload or something resembling a starter's workload uh, deserves to be at least in the RB2 discussion. That's where Devontae Booker falls in a game that the Raiders are favored. Eight, eight and a half points, depending on where you look. And uh, that definitely could play to his advantage. Uh, In Detroit, we've got a couple of injuries that we've been monitoring. The first Kenny Galladay missed practice yet again with that hip injury. So things not looking so good for gala day deandre swift however weird uh little pattern of events for him on thursday first it was reported he was missing practice and he was still in the concussion protocol then the Lions said he's actually out of concussion protocol he's been cleared there but he missed practice because of an illness so we'll see what his friday involvement is the lions too playing in an early game 1 p.m eastern kickoff in chicago to take on the bears uh no really nothing to talk about here right Derek? if swift plays he's an easy play for fantasy managers
2: Yeah, I think we just have to keep an eye on the situation leading into kickoff on Sunday. I would imagine if the Lions have him active, they intend to play DeAndre Swift and give him 20 touches. And if they feel like there's a long-term health concern, then they're going to back off him because they don't have a lot of incentive to push him out there if he's still not feeling 100%, even though he's been cleared through the league's concussion protocol. I think the thing you're watching, if you're going to use a Lions running back this week, whether it's a healthy Swift getting the start... Or the combination of Adrian Peterson and Carryon Johnson replacing him, it's going to be the health and availability of Akeem Hicks. Yes. If Hicks plays, it's a little harder to run on the Bears. Obviously, a guy like DeAndre Swift can do a lot of damage in the passing game, so you'd be still excited to play DeAndre Swift. But if Hicks is out there, I mean, that's a legitimate adjustment if you're looking at the Peterson Carryon uh, Johnson scenario. I think those guys are much harder to start. If Hicks plays, then if Hicks is unavailable.
1: Here's a a perfect summation of that before we move on. The Bears' last two games have come against the Vikings and the Packers. Against the Vikings, Akeem Hicks was out there for most of the game. He got hurt with his injury that kept him out against the Packers. Happened late in that game against the Vikings. Dalvin Cook needed 30 carries to get to 96 yards against the Bears in that game. And he did a lot of that damage after Hicks left the game in the fourth quarter. Fast forward to their game against the Packers, no Akeem Hicks in there for the Bears, and you see Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones rack up a combined 163 yards on the ground and a touchdown on 34 carries. So four more carries than what Cook had and about double the almost double the yardage and a touchdown. It makes a huge difference. Akeem Hicks is the guy who controls that Bears rushing defense. If he is out, you're definitely going to feel good about whoever's running the ball for the Lions. Um we're not yet sure who's going to be running the ball for the Chiefs this week because Clyde Edwards-Helaire after uh, all systems being normal on Wednesday missed practice on Thursday because of an illness. This is actually the second time in the last 3 weeks I want to say it is that uh, that CEH has missed a per- Thursday practice because of illness. Now this unlike the first couple of situations we talked about You could be flying blind on because the Chiefs, since they are so great, get to play on Sunday Night Football again this week against the Broncos. Uh, The question here, Derek, is how deep are you willing to go to chance it on CEH? Like, what player would you be able to turn to in that game or one of the Monday games? Buffalo-San Francisco, Pittsburgh-Washington. We've got a Tuesday game between Baltimore and Detroit or Dallas. Who on those teams? Like, Marquise Brown? Like, who is it? What's the magic spot where you would be willing to wait it out on CEH?
2: Yeah, ideally, you know, you've got two other running backs and Edwards-Hilaire is a flex. That right, gives you right. a few more options in all of those games. Um, wow. I would rather play most of the guys you mentioned than play Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which is just weird to say, but I don't like the inconsistency mm-hmm. with his usage. I mean, 4.6 yards per carry this season, I think they could justify giving him the ball more, but why settle for 4.6 yards per carry when you can get a lot more per attempt from Patrick Mahomes and your passing game? I think that's the uphill battle that he's going uh, going to fight right now. Uh, doesn't have much of a role in the passing attack either, so that chips away at the floor. I just think Edward Tilaire has become much more touchdown dependent than we expected him to be back during draft season. And I say that as someone who was skeptical of him as a first-rounder and surprised that it turned out this poorly— Uh, So I would try and go another direction if you can because I think you could be looking at 10 or 12 carries and you obviously run the risk of a, a scratch if you don't have some of those Monday night
1: options available on your bench. Yeah, definitely. Um, like Cole Beasley, maybe is someone who I'd be willing to chance it if I could slide him into a flex, thinking of guys who are available. I mean, Brandon Ayuk is someone who comes to mind, although I would be trying to find a way to get Brandon Ayuk in my lineup anyways. Like, it would have to be guys like that. Like, I am not willing to hold out on CEH for someone who wouldn't be sniffing my lineup without that. He's not. We talked about this with Devontae Adams a couple of weeks ago, and it ended up not coming to pass. Devontae Adams was able to play. Uh, we knew that going into uh, the the early kickoff on Sunday, but, you know, Devontae 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 Adams is the guy who you do that for. Devontae Adams is the guy who you will hold out hope for and put in someone who wouldn't regularly be anywhere near your lineup. CEH – not that sort of guy. He would. It would have to be someone who I would be comfortable playing, anyways, and maybe I just can't find a spot for for me to want to hold out on C.E.H. And of course, this is all speculation. He could return to practice on Friday, and all could be good there. But definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, let's move over to the Saints next. We uh, have the usual injuries to highlight here. Michael Thomas limited because of his ankle. Alvin Kamara limited because of his foot. As of this recording, no reason to think that either of those guys isn't going to play against the Falcons. And again. A 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff, so we will know for sure. I want to talk about this because I'm actually a little worried about Taysom Hill. This is something I've started to think about really over the last day, day and a half or so. You know, This is the second time in three weeks that the Falcons are going to get eyeballs on Taysom Hill. And I think that's a recipe for maybe not quite as much success as the Saints have had in the first two Taysom Hill starts. Like, I don't necessarily think he's a slam dunk play this week. Am I going a little too far here? Am I getting a little bit too cute?
2: No, I do think the limitations of Taysom Hill make him the kind of player that would be more negatively impacted by the schedule playing out this way than most, right? If this were a fully functioning Saints offense, you'd love the matchup and wouldn't even worry about the fact that they just saw them two weeks ago. But it seems like it's a watered-down version of the Saints offense, and I think the Falcons, even the Falcons, can make some adjustments and not get torched quite as badly by Taysom Hill as they did in week 11. I think the most interesting player in this matchup is a guy that in season-long leagues is definitely going to be started, Alvin Kamara, but you know, in DFS or in, in pools where you choose a player once or twice all season, mm-hmm. obviously people in, in those latter situations aren't going to use him given the uncertainty. But in DFS especially, what's your interest level in Kamara? Because his role was very different the last two weeks. But Week 12 wasn't normal at all with the Broncos playing a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback.
1: My interest level in in Alvin Kamara is actually pretty high in DFS. $7,000 with that price tag on DraftKings. I mean, I know there are reasons for concern. Absolutely. I'm not saying there's no reason to be concerned about him. That's why you're getting him at $7,000. But we're still talking about Alvin Kamara, and he's run the ball very efficiently. In the two Taysom Hill starts, it's not like he's been shut down. He just hasn't been involved as a receiver the way that we are used to him being. But not only has he been uh, getting the same carry workload that he typically gets, he's been doing a pretty good job with it. He's had 24 carries in the two Taysom Hill starts for 99 yards. I mean, he's running the ball well, and he was getting some chunk yardage against the Broncos last week. So I feel pretty good about him. I think probably more a tournament play, but could be a very feisty, frisky tournament player. You on the same page?
2: Yeah, I mean, I still think the limitations that Taysom Hill has shouldn't preclude him from getting Camara more involved in the passing game, and if you want to show a wrinkle, if you're Sean Payton, you want to do something different with your game plan that you didn't do two weeks ago when you saw this defense, using Camara. is that wrinkle, and it's something the exactly. quarterback can actually do. So maybe it's just me talking myself into it for tournament purposes, but... It's not often that you get a guy that has a 40-point game on the ledger. I mean, it was almost a 48-point game on DraftKings <laughs> back in Week 3 for Elvin Kamara. You rarely get a player like that at 7K in the backfield. So this seems like a golden opportunity in tournaments to take on that risk. Obviously, if he only gets a dozen touches, you're going to be pretty sad unless he finds the end zone multiple times. But I think the risk is worth it in this case because the reward could be massive.
1: First time since Alvin Kamara's rookie year that we're talking about him being a wrinkle that a defense hasn't seen. But hey, that's where we are in Taysom Hill's world.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right.
1: All right, let's look at the other side of that game for a second here. Julio Jones missed practice because of a hamstring injury. Things not looking good for him. Calvin Ridley was limited in practice with those foot and ankle issues that have been dogging him for a couple of weeks. But right now, no reason to think he won't play. Todd Gurley, however, missed practice on Thursday. Now, in many weeks, this wouldn't be something worth even discussing. Todd Gurley usually gets one day of practice off a week at some point. But he did practice on Wednesday, limited in practice on Wednesday, then gets no practice on Thursday because of the knee that Calvin kept him out a week ago. Again, as we said, early kickoff, so you're going to know for sure if he's in or out when you're setting your lineup. If he is out, do you play Brian Hill? I think you do. I mean, it was still a backfield that Brian Hill led
2: in that blowout win over the Raiders, 50% of the snaps compared to 35.9% of the snaps for Edo Smith. Obviously, Smith was more involved than many of us expected. Brian Hill was cheap chalk in the DFS community last week, and it didn't go well. Uh, But the situation here, touch-wise, looks good enough, especially from a season-long perspective where he's going to be in that 25 to 30 range among running backs. And I don't think what we saw target-wise with Smith being more targeted in the passing game is necessarily what we're going to see this time around. That may have been the result of the very odd circumstances of the Falcons protecting a very large lead last week.
1: All right, one more quick thing here before we call it a show and call it a week. Savant Ahmed was limited with his shoulder injury in practice, DeAndre Washington. No practice because of a hamstring injury. Meanwhile, Miles Gaskin has been practicing for a couple of weeks now. They nearly activated him a week ago, so all things look like he is going to be able to be a play this week. If Miles Gaskin goes for the Dolphins, feels pretty obvious, but I feel like we should check the box. He goes for you, right? Yeah, he does. I think it's a really tricky DFS situation, but from a season-long perspective, I
2: think you're talking about a guy that has a good matchup, probably gets the larger share of the backfield touches. Maybe it's more of a 60-40, 65-35 sort of thing initially with Gaskin and Ahmed, because Ahmed looked good stepping in for Gaskin, but that's probably enough when you're talking about a matchup against the Bengals, right? I mean, this is a game where the Dolphins' offense might run a ton of plays if they can keep the Bengals off the field, right? I think that's a pretty easy sort of development you could see unfolding. There might be more volume for the backfield as a whole as a result of this friendly matchup.
1: Friendly matchup for the Dolphins, indeed, favored by 11.5 at home against those lowly Cincinnati Bengals. And that is going to do it for this episode and this week on the Fantasy Football in 15 at The Athletic. Uh, this is still your last chance to get in the door for $1 a month. Go to TheAthletic.com slash Football in 15. Get a $1 per month subscription to The Athletic. Do it today because it goes away after this episode. Evening. For DVR, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be right back with you next week. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend and enjoy all of the week 13 action.